So I'll set a scene for everyone. Melbourne, summer, 2020. Arrive at Melbourne Footy Club in the morning. Boys are training. Darren Burgess introduces me. He's Cody Royal up the back, coaching the, the men's Aussie rules program in Canada. And as happens when the players turn out like, oh, who's, who's this wanker? And then after the silence, you hear this, yay! And there's a Canadian in the room and it's Vero. <laughs> and that was our introduction to each other. <laughs> was, was, you, was you cheering for me while an AFL squad were thinking, who is this guy? So I, I, I owe you a thank you for rescuing me, Vero. Oh, <laughs> there for you, Cody. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing fine. What about you? Oh, I'm fantastic. And Darren Holder, you were there that day as well. So maybe you can give some third-party commentary on uh, on my embarrassing introduction. Thanks, mate. It's um, great to be here and yeah, get the band back together, so to speak. It was a, a fun morning and it's, as seems to be the case with some of those um, pre-season activities when you're at a footy club, they, they bring in people from all backgrounds and walks of life and we just all happened to be there on the same day. So it worked out really well. Yeah, it was a fun day, wasn't it? We had some rugby guys in there. I think some rowing guys, uh, us. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of kind of networking, even within kind of the maybe the academic or the, the broader kind of sporting community, which was really cool as well. And then it's been really cool to watch them go on and have success, that group, and and see their development since since we were all there. So, yeah, what was that like for you guys as well? And, and maybe seeing some of your work that you were doing there kind of come to life a little bit as well yeah um i know vero has been watching it from afar probably a little longer journey and a little more up close for me 3 a.m yeah i'd spent a little bit of time with simon the head coach um maybe six or eight months before that so the middle of the previous season 2019 which wasn't one of their most glorious seasons they'd had a, a really long injury list that year i think at some stages even half the, the rostered players were out injured. And, and Simon was just looking towards 2020 and what they needed to do to continue to grow. But personally, he was on a bit of a journey as well. So um, he actually was part of a group that I took away on a study tour at the end of 2019. So some AFL coaches, some coaches from rugby league, some of the Olympic swim team coaches from Australia and a, a sprinkling of others, mental performance people and physical performance people uh, to the US. And they had their first contact with Vero in Las Vegas when we had, had a day with Cirque du Soleil. So it was terrific that at the end of that day, it was like Alan Richardson, who had just come across from uh, another role to be the director of coaching at the Melbourne Footy Club, and Simon and one of their assistant coaches said, wow, that was not what we expected. The whole day was very, very different, but tell us one thing, how do we get her to Australia? And so that was kind of the impetus for um, us being there on that day. We'd spent a whole day with the football department the previous day. Um, and I'll let Vero go into the detail around what that looked like, but it was three distinct groups. We had, because the playing group and playing list in a footy club in Australia at an AFL club is, you know, 40 plus, they were split into two groups. And then all of the sport and performance and coaching staff were in another group. So three groups across the day that had done some unique activities. And we were following up that next morning when we met you, mate, and kind of embedding that into the practice environment when they could take it onto the field. Yeah. Well, it's always interesting to meet a bunch of coaches. I always ask Darren not to tell me too much about who they are and how victorious they have been. So I like to welcome them in kind of a neutral uh, perspective, uh, just because we use different. So my goal and Darren and I goal when we do the thing in Vegas is really to ignite the creative potential in coaches and why it is so different. It's because I use movement to do so. So the coaches, whoever they are, they come into this uh, Cirque du Soleil gym. And then for two hours, we go through different creativity principle, but instead of just talking about it, we embody them. 
So whether it is walking away from the obvious, but then we walk like if our body was made of different substances or whether it is the chain of movement instead of the chain of ideas. And then you got to move spontaneously inspired by the person before you. And then we build our thing moving with emotion, which usually this is a little bit more towards the end and it creates really... Um, interesting moments whether it is moving moments like meaning it's kind of touching sometimes because we go through sadness frustration and then sometimes coaches are really letting it out let it like put it, let's put it this way and yeah and then we did uh, something quite similar but when i do it with the athletes so when i went to um the footy club i am always a little confused with all first it was my introduction to afl i've never seen that sport before and i was discovering something new as much as they were discovering something new as well so we did some similar stuff with the player and what was cool in that club and this is exactly when we meet you is that they gave us another full day to not only explain to the player a little bit more um like the the theory supporting creativity but also to integrate it to their sports specific training which i don't always have the possibility to do it but this club was open enough to let us create some little magic during the the training so that was cool yeah so take take us a little bit deeper into that creativity theory and then you know some of the the work that you guys have been doing on the the paper that you've just released as well and yeah what's kind of sitting behind that yeah darren and i in collaboration with uh, john carney as well for darren and i it's been a while that we are really thinking about creating the scientific foundation of what we were doing. I think for us, it started from the field and we started to do those movement activities and every single group that we were like experimenting our approach with, it was creating something, not always the same thing, but it was definitely creating something. So we were like, oh, like, how can we, because, you know, when you do activity with movement and everybody laugh, everybody think this is just a fun thing. It's just a game. It's just, but it's more than that. And we wanted to explain it into a, a scientific paper. So I think what we need to get away from, like, or get away with uh, this paper is that creativity is not just a cognitive skills it's actually a combination or an interaction between individual skill and the environment and what we are really trying to do within those activity it's to play with the environment whether it is the material environment the social environment and even the cultural environment let's call it micro cultural environment we're not impacting the big, big culture in one workshop of course or a few workshop but like we create a small culture just for a moment you know and by manipulating those things we are impacting the individual and by individual element or skills we're really talking about flexibility vulnerability tolerance to discomfort um being able to have those also interaction with others in a tr trustworthy way uh so yeah so the paper starts with reviewing creativity science and then we kind of bring forward the idea that by shaking the system this system composed of the environment and the individual um we can grow skills that are supporting um, creative potential. If that's a good summary, maybe Darren, you can follow up with your summary of our paper. <laughs> I guess to put it in practical terms, Cody, to all your listeners, um, it's the culmination of, I guess, about three years work. You know, we've been able to play with this idea for a little bit. Certainly Vero's coming from the creative lens and the creative background much more than me. Where and I've seen some of your videos as well. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and and for me, the, from the outset, it was just where a couple of worlds collided. I was really passionate about 
uh, allowing coaches to move beyond their their domain. So looking at how they perform under pressure and taking them out of their comfort zone, which certainly rings true for Vero and what the work she's doing by providing these experiences. Um, and we wanted to be able to help them to understand that there's much more to it, you know, right? So they, we've we've tested this with coaches. I think we first started in India and then we've done things in Vegas. We've done things um, in Australia where we had a tour in different sporting um, activities and, and with coaches as well as players. And it's just grown from there. And obviously we wanted to pull together the evolution of the work that's practically based, but also underpin that with that evidence that sits within the science of creativity and how that can impact the ability for teams to just continue to express and explore and, um, you know, be who they are in their environments. And I think that's where it sat for, you know, the club that we opened this conversation with, they're just really interested in providing the best environment where everyone can be authentically themselves. They can be selfless. They can be together. They can be connected. And to do some of these things helps to foster that and ignite, as Vero said, a little bit of their creative potential so that when they are faced with uh, adverse situations, they can respond, you know, really quickly and make adaptable decisions that help them to be uh, part of a team performance that ultimately succeeds. Yeah, and from like a technical perspective, because that's your background as well, Stub, from the, the coaching side, what are the knock-on effects to this kind of, I guess, expression of creativity to things like skill development for like on the playing side? Yeah. The first thing is, the, you know, the coaches being open and as Vero said, some of the skills we're trying to um instill and, and surface with them is around being vulnerable, trusting, you know, all, all of that. So we know that when displaying skills, sometimes we make skill errors because we don't trust or we don't explore and we don't give ourselves the chance because we're limiting or restricting. So this is about having some freedom and creating some boundaries of where that freedom lies and the coaches really supporting the behaviours that sit within creativity. So encourage people to take risks because we know that risks with support um, and that's certainly one of the big things that Vero tries to create a risk-friendly environment so it's there's high risk but high support as well so if we can create those environments for sporting teams then wow you know what what can be achieved can be so much more heightened so I want to talk about um embodiment and, and kind of demonstration. But first, Vera, I want you to maybe give us a little bit of a peek behind Cirque du Soleil and, and their kind of vision of creativity, right? So people who aren't like us and, you know, can pop down to Vegas and, and see the, the, the shows or, or in Montreal, like the home of it, like kind of talk about like the spirit of creativity that exists in that place, because it's quite remarkable when you, when you do see it and just the shows that they can create and, and pump out really now as almost a system of creativity. Yeah. Well, first it is quite complex because Cirque now is not only about the movement but it's also about all the technology around and all the effect like, so there's as much creativity coming from the technician, uh, whether it is the costume, whether it is the lightning, whether it is the scene and all this stuff that are happening. Like, if you've seen a few shows, you know that the, um, like the background is changing, there's screen, there's like projection, there's a lot of stuff going on. So there's a lot of creativity, which I'm a little bit less connected with this type of creativity. I'm especially interested in the creativity that comes from movement, um, which this is always an interesting um, department because there's this duality between the creator, which sometimes is not the performer, or I should say most of the time is not the performer, but then it's still the performer's body, right? So even if the creator is seeing something in his head, but that the performer and or performers, because it's a lot of group act, 
if they are not understanding, if they are not feeling it this way, if they are not agreeing with um, the creator, it can create interesting dynamic on a show creation. So most of the time it's a collaboration collaborative work uh, between the choreographer, between the creator and the artist, especially at that level, the artists are pretty, um, let's say expert in their disciplines. So yeah, I, I, I think the best creativity will emerge from a really intricate collaboration and cho choreographer or creators are a little bit the coach in like, if we compare with coach and athlete, it's kind of creator or designer or choreographer. It depends on the discipline, of course, and the artists. And then same principle apply, right? If there's autonomy support by the creator, then the artists feel more engaged in the creation, feels more um, like connected also, uh, feels like they belong more. And, you know, at the end of the day, they will be the people performing performing it on stage, which is important that they feel it's also a little bit of their uh, vision. Some artists, though, they really are executor. They don't necessarily like to get into the creation. So they are, especially, I would say, the acrobats like those those that are really 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 skill oriented don't really care much about that but though other discipline they care a lot like the artists care a lot about being involved in the process of creation yeah yeah it's it's a fascinating world and i just the shows in general i love the kind of mix of simplicity and, and complexity of the shows themselves you know, as they kind of go through, you know, their yeah. Sorry, I knocked, I knocked my my cord. Um, yeah, and kind of the, the playing around with you know as part of the show, the uh, you know the the simplicity and, and complexity. But let me take you back to that idea of embodiment and and particularly around emotion, because having written a book about emotion and the emotional toll of coaches. Uh, head coaches, but also I guess athletes in in elite sport. Yeah, like how do you guys look at that idea of embodiment and how it can help us? How it help can help communicate maybe things that you know young athletes maybe aren't able to actually say and come up with the words of, but it's an outlet for them. And then probably like you were saying earlier, Bureau also coaches who are in high stress environments to be able to just have a different communication form to get something out. Like that must be very cathartic to people in these high stress environments. Yeah, well, one of the activity that we do as part of movement improvisation is improvising with emotion. So basically we are creating diagonal line of movement and all they have to do is to cross the field or cross the gym, wherever we are. And we put music in the background. So at the beginning, it's happy. So they need to embody what's what does happiness look like? We don't want us to, we won't talk about it now. We Just show me. What does it look like for you? So what do you think happened? People dance around, clap in their hands, like smile in their face. Like this is automatic. Like this is where they go. Then we move on to sadness. And of course, we've tested different music through the years. And now we, we like when we put the music, if the people are really engaged and connected, um, it can like we've we've seen tears, we've seen um, different type of expression, and then it's so obvious. People become much more internal. The movement are smaller. Some will go to the ground. Some will walk slowly. Everything is heavy in that emotion. And again, we don't necessarily debrief right away. We let them go. We, I, I often just ask in between the, the um, before to get into the second part, what did they observe in terms of movement? What are the differences in the movement when they were happy and when they were embodying sadness? 
And then we move to, which is often interesting, especially with coaches, we move to frustration. And this one, I do it a little bit differently. We do a scale of frustration. So at the beginning, I ask them to be a one out of 10. So I mean, a little thing that is bogging you, but not much. Then we move on to three on 10. Okay, this is annoying. And I'm, I'm starting to feel like the uh, activation in my body. Then we move to five out of 10 to seven out of 10. And then at the end, nine is like, okay, now you're so pissed off. You let everything out. And most of the time, and Darren, maybe you could talk about it, but th this has created some, like, now I'm saying you can do whatever you want, but don't use the material around because some people in like instinctively, they just grab things and throw them. So like, Oh boy. Okay. We are getting into this. And we finish the fourth emotion that we are, what that we embody is love, which is particularly interesting with male coaches, because I would have to say that our sample, our sample now is what? 80% male, I would say. Um, so moving from frustration and doing a little bit of like, Ooh, okay. That was intense. And then getting into moving with, love because it's always the way I'm pre I present the emotion it's move with the emotion you can make noise but you cannot speak in the frustration for instance the at the end everyone is yelling it out I don't know maybe stuff you've observed those activities maybe you can say about what you observed during because I, I'm I'm doing it I'm kind of into it so sometimes I don't observe as much as he does I'm, I'm lucky I get to watch everyone going through this kind of wave of emotion. And yeah, certainly, as Vera said, you know, for coaches, frustration is the easiest thing for us to connect to, right? Because it's a constant. Um, so that one comes out nicely. But what, what I've seen um, transpire over time, all of this activity provides almost like this platform to provide the next step of education. So now how do we create those situations for our players where they can feel that emotion so not that they are that emotion that they can feel that emotion and they can play with that emotion whether it's swimming a a, a a recovery 50 or 100 on the back of a hard intensity set and say okay we're going to swim with joy or we're going to swim with love or we're going to swim with anger and just let that express um, so all of a sudden their mind is present and we're getting them back to breathing again and, and feeling that way. And it could be the same thing in a, in a football environment or a netball environment or a basketball environment where they just play, they dribble for the next 30 seconds or a minute with that particular emotion. Um, and how that's then translated, I think, as Vera mentioned, love can sometimes go, oh, there's the, the eyes roll back in their head because it's not a term that coaches necessarily in Australia, as opposed to North America, have related to. It's not one of our frequent terms that we use in coaching language, but I think it's becoming more and more accepted. So in the case of a footy club, when they can display love and care for one another, it was something that can be really, really powerful. So it connects the group, but it also shows this intimate level of trust and connectedness and you know everything that goes with that so playing around with those ideas and then having the coaches be able to design opportunities for them to be practiced more regularly then when you are feeling angry or something's gone wrong you can respond much more quickly to it and you don't have to allow that emotion to hold you back on your next job in the game which i think is a great lesson for coaches and players to learn during the debrief, we often just let them speak about their experience. Like they, that thing lasts, I don't know, overall, maybe 15 minutes where we go from one emotion to the other, maybe 20, something like that. And at the end, first we ask them, how, how does it feel to express freely your emotion through your body. And some are like release. They're like, oh my God. And I'm like, how often do you hold it inside? We had people after this activity, I always have someone that will come to me and be like, I'd never realized how much I was 
holding this in or I was just blocking it from existing or even I haven't thought that I could even enhance my performance with an emotion like we had a swimmer at some point she came to me and she was like oh my god I felt so good moving with love and I never thought of integrating in my pre-performance routine something more around this emotion feeling the love warming up my body and letting it move a little bit with this intention and it became it was kind of um yeah it was a moment for her where she realized that people are really stuck in a really broad uh, not broad but narrow range of emotion and they don't let themselves explore more and i feel this activity with the body and how the body is responding and how you feel after a lot of people are like oh i had underestimate the power of this type of movement expression based on emotion so it creates always like to me fascinating conversation especially with this like group of male around 50 like 45 to 50 years old super like projecting confidence and projecting like control to see them losing it you're like oh god okay <laughs> we've beaten a lot of the the emotion out of sport haven't we like we we kind of you know i think of well i said this the other day i like i don't see a lot of joy in coaching for instance right now uh, like like real actual joy it comes with achievement which is fine but there doesn't seem to be a lot of coaches at the top levels really enjoying themselves anymore and then when they do they they kind of get knocked down a peg like at the olympics stubby the, the the example that most aussies know of but um but then when you think about what i love about your guys work is when you think about like if you are to ask someone uh, when they're watching their favorite team or their favorite sports person, what they feel and what they observe, they'll name something like watching Diego Maradona play and, or watching Brian Lara hit a cricket ball, like bat in, in cricket or, and, and it'll be this, this kind of joyful, like love infused, like it brings those emotions that you guys are talking about is actually what people will describe to you as what they love about sport, even as a, an observer. And then it's really, it, it, it's amazing to kind of reconnect that. Like I, that's what I love the most about your work is reconnecting that with the athletes and the, the coaches. So they're aware of it, like that this can come out of you. One of the saddest thing that I've heard in the debrief is like, I don't know how to express that emotion or I don't know how. And it's like, oh my God, like initially for sure you knew and your environment. That's why I'm big on interaction between their, the environment and the individual. It's because your environment made you unlearn it because it's not like and i take really basic emotion i'm not getting into the complex emotion like i take those that i mean happy sad frustration anger and love is not like super extreme to start with but like when they tell me i don't know how to move with this emotion i'm like there's no way i mean it's it's just think of something that you love just think of something that piss you off and the frustration it doesn't happen much but sadness and love it's like i i didn't know what to do stubby can confirm we hear that quite often like i didn't know how to move with this i didn't know and it's like it's two things it's either right now you're too uncomfortable to express it so you pretend that you don't know or it's that really you've forgotten about it, which the second option for me, it's more sad than the first. It's okay if you don't feel comfortable yet to do it in this context, I'm good with that. But if you've forgotten about it, it's like, oh, this is like, this is not going in the right direction. And it often leads to the discussion about emotion is part, like when you think about sport, emotion is one of the 
thing that brings you to sport. It's because you feel so many things when you're, uh, okay, I come from an artistic sport. So for us, it's like our whole performance is uh, with motion, which sometimes is acting the emotion, but still. But it, to me, sport should be movement, should be about emotion. It should come from this internal source that we all have within, I think. But that's my opinion, of course. Yeah, I'm glad you pulled on that thread, Cody, because for me, sport is inherently emotional. We want it to be emotional. That's what attracts us to the game. We have passion and love for whatever it is that we're pursuing. So we need to embrace I think, and that's what we're allowing people to do is embrace the emotion that's there and not allow it to be good or bad, but it is what it is. And let's deal with it and harness it and then be ready to redirect our energy as a result of it. So um, th this work's been really good. And, and to Vero's point, you know, certainly the sadness and love potentially for younger players that are experiencing this or sometimes even coaches who just don't have the experiences um, in their life where they've had hardship or they've experienced true love and um, the things that are associated with that. It can be difficult. They have a bit of a block in displaying those things initially, but connecting them to it allows them to sort of walk that walk that path again. Um, and, you know, this is also uh, connected to the, the work that we know you know, Goldman's done on emotional intelligence and everything else. So we're trying to build some self-awareness and then allow people to manage themselves so they can have these really positive relationships and, and support one another. So I think it it sits so nicely within the, the, the platforms that are underpinning all the work, but it just allows people to actually do what sport has at its core. You know, this emotional driver, you know, when you start describing those moments that you're talking about before, that's the stuff that sends the shiver down your spine and what we want young boys and girls to aspire to be like their heroes and for coaches to actually be exhilarated by the performances of their their players and teams. It's That's why we love, as fans, watching what we see in front of us. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's so good. We're so willing to say it's an emotional game when there's a fight or some or someone's you know and we're like oh yeah it's okay that they did that because it's an emotional game and then we let that conversation stop we don't want to invite any of the other emotions in if it's like raw masculine energy punching into yeah. each other that's the emotional game but the rest of it we kind of don't let in and, and, and it's a huge miss it is yeah what about when people are in stressful situations, whether that be in sport or outside of sport, what do we do? We kind of get tight, right? We, we tense up, we, we limit our movement or our thoughts or, and we, we freeze a little, but embracing this emotion allows us to, when, when you see people, we just see their shoulders drop. We see their, their breathing open up. We see them relax and just be present with what they're doing. And I think, you know, unless you practice those things, it's like any skill, you're not going to get better at them. So emotional skill development is one part, you know, of the whole puzzle, like technical and mental and physical and everything else. We've got to make sure that we tap into the emotional skills and how they support the integration of a, you know, a whole model. Even when we go back to creativity, emotion are a good driver to create something new. Like, whether and those like so-called positive emotion are are good yeah are good driver and when you are a coach and you want to bring your players to or athletes to do things differently you will have also to bring up some emotion and excitement and and j just the fun of exploring your your movement exploring the tactic exploring and i know the coaches that has success with that are those that are able to embrace those also more pleasant i prefer that word than positive emotion and the way they explain it and the way they bring um the athletes to kind of follow their lead into this more creative exploratory type of uh coaching and type of development too so yeah
Yeah, again, I, I think we've beaten a lot of the kind of core elements out of what it is we do. Even even that bureau where co- coaching is a guessing game. It is it, in in invasion sports like team invasion sports, rugby, soccer, where you know there's two teams out there, and it's not just one athlete going down a lane as fast as they can versus the other athlete, and and so you've got this this chess game going on at all times, it is a guessing game. And so when, when you start to think through that, it's like, am I going to make rigid moves or am I going to explore some, some creative moves? You know, we all love to, to read Sun Tzu and the art of war and all these things. That's what he's writing about is like what you guys are talking about. How do we, how do we bring creativity in and infuse it into gameplay? And so again, that, that, then leads you to say, okay, well, there needs to be some recognition and, and harnessing of emotion to be able to um, to really capitalize on that too. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, there has been a lot of great work about sports-specific creativity development activity, which I find amazing. Like, you know, game more towards the tactic and this is great and i think more of this should be implemented in training yet sometimes the part that we forget is all about putting the athlete in a creative mindset because if the drill is really good but there's no trust between the players and there's no vulnerability and everyone is afraid to make mistakes even if you have the best drill or activity, I should call this an activity. I know some of the researcher that are doing those things. We're are not like using drill, drill anymore. We're not using drill exactly, anymore. <laughs> exactly. So I will use I will use activity. It, it's it's not just about the activity, but it's about bringing player to open up their mind to to do different things. And I, Stubby and I are also working on establishing those type of warm up when you know that in your training, in your practice, you will require um, your player to use their creativity. It's not something like, oh, suddenly they will be open-minded, they will trust everyone, they will not be afraid of missing. Like that doesn't happen this way. And it's like, okay, so how can we slowly bring this mentality um, to the players. And we did interesting stuff right before practice where we just literally like explode the box to take the famous expression of thinking outside the box, which I don't necessarily like, but um, yeah, just making them, why, why are the players forced to do like squat in a perfect technical way during warm up or like those like perfectly t- like, Okay, you, they can do a few, but then after that, can we let them explore how their body wants to move? And at some point, I've did it in a consistent way with different teams that I'm working with. And at some point, there is no judgment anymore. There's no fear of making mistakes because you don't even really know what's right or wrong. And then you start having this more creative um mindset that i think it's important it's not just about the sport specific activity it's also about creating an environment a mindset a way of approaching things which can be um yeah it's instill in warm-up i think we've become so um ritualized Cody, in terms of these warm-up routines right in terms of the yeah, best practices activation. yeah yeah best practices so you know activation now from a physical perspective has become this commonplace practice you know it as long it used to be just running around the oval a couple of times and do your stretches and wait <laughs> yeah. now, yeah. now everyone's got their their spiky balls and their foam rollers and all the rest of it so we we do physical activation what about the mental and emotional activation to get us ready for what's going on? I saw a fantastic prep this year with a rugby league team that I've been doing some work with. They fortunately were another team that was successful in winning a, a premiership. Um, and they had a, a routine of two hours prior to game start. They were always together at the same location, uh, whether that was home or away. Um, and they went through, it was a 20 minute rotation around these different stations where they were one having a conversation about the game in small groups. Another group would be doing some um, 
activation physically and then they were doing some different tasks there was one group that was always doing either some juggling or some tasks that were very much off you know the the domain specific stuff it was around being creative switching on mentally and getting them to be present and thinking about stuff in their own world some of them with headphones on and i thought that along with the, the stuff that was complementing the, the skills they were needing to perform in the game then they led into their team meeting or their prep prep meeting for the game for me that was like this half hour is terrific you know terrific because it isn't commonplace that we see uh, an integrated approach to that kind of activation of what we will need in order to both move um, technically deliver our skills on the field but also make good decisions and be ready to make good decisions so when the timing of that i think that's needed some further research you know because this is a does that carry on further research, research period i don't think there's much research about it now <laughs> yeah but that, that's something we'd love to explore because this, this is you know the next step i think is to say okay well when is the ideal time to do that and, and does it need to be all the time and you know, this is a really interesting space to, to play with. Well, actually, Cody, the, the first day we met, I think you saw maybe one of the activity. Do you remember um, the head coach of the team gave me like, what? Ten, he, he told me what, 10 minutes, you have 10 minutes, show us what you could do with the players. And then we just gathered them in the center of the field. And I just did an emotion uh, game that, by the way, at Cirque du Soleil, they often do. And they, we put them in circle and then one person, okay, so we did the scare, like scare the person beside you and express fear and then scare the person, like kind of a super like aggressive pose that scare the person and the person must react. And that goes into circle. So it's extremely funny because like everyone express like rawr and then uh, yeah it's it's quite interesting we did that we did another this is, emotion this is in a pub this is in a public park like the main street through melbourne as well just for anyone listening in <laughs> this isn't behind this isn't behind closed doors this is like in front of thousands of people <laughs> and then i don't remember what's the second thing i did but then we finish with show me through movement um what does it mean for you to be part of this team? And then it created every every player show a movement, whatever it was, one movement, but one after the other. So it create this kind of emotional moment where some player put a knee down and their hands on their heart, some other look at the sky, some other just grab their teammates beside them. It was a lot of different movement that were happening, just no words no words at all just move through it and then they all start chanting i which i guess is their regular cheer i don't know i was stuck in the middle of this i was just trying to find my way out didn't remember exactly what happened there but that's how practice started that day like th this is a way of starting practice with all player pumped up now that like they were full of emotion Yes, of course, it's also stressful to do those things, but it starts with a little activation and then boom, they knew, the coaches knew that they were going to do different activity that day in the sports-specific uh, training. But that was interesting and maybe a stub to finish because it's a good story. Maybe you can say what the coaches did in uh, the half practice, which I think is quite interesting. I'd almost forgotten. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, it was very <laughs> impressive. Um, on that particular day because for context to the listeners cody you'll remember you know that team that that's early 2020 they've been on a journey as a group and, and have just won a premiership um in the afl which is not easy to do with the draft and the way they try and equalize the competition but they had quite a number of young players who had just been drafted and what better way the day before and and these activities to make them feel just as equal as some of these experienced guys that have been there for 8, 10, 12 years at the club. They're all on a level and they're all doing the same things together, expressing. And one small piece, one small piece, but they have continued to build upon those connections over the last two years to, to achieve the ultimate result. But I think the coaches modelling those behaviours is so powerful. And what they did after a segment of training was just came in together and the players are thinking, oh, yeah, it's time for a quick water break and let's move on to the next thing. And 
They just said, hey, guys, just gather around, gather around. And we, we didn't know. This was totally unannounced to Vero and I. The coaches lined up in this kind of six, seven people in a line. And as an example or a demonstration of what was done the previous day, showed a chain of movement, which was how they were feeling about how the training session was going. And it was just, wow. Like they didn't say a word. They just expressed their observations and their feelings about how the training session was progressing in this movement chain and the boys just gone they're all watching and there's a big cheer and then they just run out off to the next drill so i think you know for the coaches to show some vulnerability and and to put themselves out there in that space as well just allows the players to be themselves even more if you would have seen like you know sometimes coaches are like how can i get my players attention the players were like so silent looking at what was going on and everyone was like what what is there was no word the coaches were only like moving one after the other giving their feedback and the player were like oh they are doing the thing and then they start trying to understand what they were expressing in movement and then there was like like stubby just said enthusiasm getting out of this that was and for us we were like oh that's actually pretty cool like you know and i think those small things that you can integrate like it was vulnerability yes i'm sure the coaches were stressed out to do this some looked like they were a bit uncomfortable but it made a difference and if you just add those here and there I think, yeah, I think uh, movement is underrated and I think it, it destabilized the system because we're not used to it. We're so attached to verbal things. Um, then it's a good, like, it's a good way to shake the system and then get a little bit, a little bit more out of the so-called system. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And that's the other piece that I love so much about the work that you guys are doing is that what you've just described there, you know, and how that plugs into what I've been doing is like you create as a head coach, you create yourself in your team. And so your ability to do things like this, like even just recognize emotion and recognize how you're embodying that emotion on an everyday basis, let alone doing an activity, you know, it impacts your team and, you know, little things like walking into the room and people now understanding that there's a now a new power dynamic in that room, like in the weight room, when you go in there, in the meeting room, you know, things hush and players sit up a little bit straighter and it, like understanding that world is absolutely key, particularly for a head coach, but for the whole coaching group. And so, you know, this really kind of plugs into that idea that, well, why don't you create something positive and why don't you embody something that, that you want to see from the players rather than saying, why won't they do it? It's on them. Like, why don't they bring optimism when you're a, you know, a, an angry sod that just goes into your office and closes your door, they're not going to bring optimism. Like you bring it and you embody it and you, you show them with, with your movement, you know, the, the emotions you're expecting around that club. And so, yeah, that's, that's the piece that I love the most. And I, I hope some, some coaches follow along with what you're doing. So far, so good. I think a lot of, surprisingly, um, I'm always like, you know, I'm doing when Stubby bring them to uh, Vegas, we're doing, and we never really know how it will turn. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's just um, spark something different and that brings curiosity and those that are actually acting on their curiosity then we can follow through because of course the the first time is more a okay what's happening and then of course it's the follow-up and the what's after that will really create a difference but yeah surprisingly a, a few of them had uh, or are following through and yeah that's that's where the best work can be done. Where can people read more and then find all the things that you guys have got going on? Well, first they can read if they really want to dive into the, uh, how can I say it properly? Like more sciencey or nerds 
nerd side of things, um, nerd out about it a little bit, they can find our paper, which is, uh, it starts with creativity in motion. Uh, maybe you can put it in the show notes if you do have uh, this. And uh, it's a Frontiers paper, but if you just write creativity in motion Frontiers, I'm pretty sure you Google will do a good job at finding you this paper. Um, other than that, Twitter uh, or LinkedIn, pretty easy to find us with our name, I would believe. Yeah, same, same places for me, I think. And maybe it's just coaching better in terms of my philosophy and the little consulting business that I have. You'll find me on Twitter and LinkedIn at the same locations. Awesome, guys. Good to see you again. I'm glad we made this work. I'm a little bit upset that Patty Steinford took my idea to have you guys on. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I told him about that and then he went and, and did it before me. So I'm going to have to have a word to Patty about that, but, but that's oh. okay. Maybe there could be a podcast fight, like, you know, where others want and the toughness podcast meet and fight over their guest. That, that could be a, that could be an interesting one. I would, I would listen to this, this podcast for sure. We're going to set that up. Like a dance off. A dance off. We, we, we definitely. Yeah. Um... Dance battle, dance battle, like with movement and stuff. Then I don't I'm think anyone there. wants to see two close to 40 year olds, broken former Aussie rules players dancing. Well, I think this is where you're wrong, my dear, where others won't. This okay. is your thing. Yep. So okay. Yeah. Yep. Well done. <laughs> yeah. You've... And you know, the tough stuff and toughness, we need to see what, who, who's tougher than who. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the tough stuff I, onto toughness. It. It's that's a more natural fit. So we'll, yeah, but uh <laughs> Guys, uh, yeah, like I said, awesome work. I, I love what you're doing. I can't wait to see what you build on top of this and, and go with next. And, yeah, thanks for doing such great work for coaches and teams and, and everyone all around the world. So, uh, And also, thanks for coming on where others won't. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Cody. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for having us, mate. Terrific. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, head to codyroyal.com or you can find me on Twitter. See you next time.